Welcome to CalCast, your creator national podcast. Network News, Episode 150. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. Greetings, God Network News fans, to another great series that we'll be doing on movements. For these next few weeks, we've got some exciting podcasts that have been recorded by some colleagues of ours, all on the topics of movements, what makes movement leaders, what makes a movement, all kinds of exciting things. We're going to be focusing a lot on what God's doing in this season of missions, which is movements of peoples, whole people groups to Christ. There's amazing things happening, miracles everywhere. One of our organizations that we are partnering with, 2414, is already monitoring 1,360 movements. And each of these movements have over 56,000 new believers among them. And these are just amongst unreached people groups. So God is up to something really fantastic. And we're going to be looking into this in the next few weeks of our podcast of God Network News. Portions of our podcast will be made up of rebroadcasted podcast interviews from a friend of ours named Steve Addison. Steve Addison is a great podcaster and very passionate about movements of peoples to Christ. And Steve has his own podcast, very successful podcast with over 226 podcast episodes. And the name of his podcast is On the Road to No Place Left. And we highly recommend that you subscribe to his podcast because he has an overwhelming library of exciting topics related to movements. And if you want to learn more about movements, this is the place to find the information. And he has lots of training and tools and other resources that will really make your investigation of this topic successful. So we really want to thank Steve Addison and his partners there at movements.net forward slash podcast. That's how you can find it at movements.net forward slash podcast for all of the resources that he has given us for these next few podcasts. Thank you very much, Steve. So let's get right into this next interview with a friend of ours named Bruce Carlson. Well, Bruce, do you happen to know where Jeff might have gotten the words works fine skins? Uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> where? Uh, I don't know. Guy named Bruce. <laughs> Actually, I had a student ask me today something similar to that. He said, uh, how do you deal with a traditional church in these movements? I tell him, I tell him, leave it alone. We're mm-hmm. not here to change the traditional church. We're here to 
spark a movement that brings people into the kingdom. I said, if you, you know, if you, nothing breeds success like success. If, you, if you're faithful and do what you need to do, God's going to bless it. And there'll be people in the legacy churches that will, will want to come on board at that point. Don't try to change them. The, it usually was one guy who had a vision and someone came alongside of him and fueled that vision and, and the encourager, a trainer, a mentor. And typically that, that was the missionary role. And the, the local person was being poured into. And the local person just took off and it ran, ran. One guy had the principles down and the methodologies and the resources, and the other guy didn't. But he imparted them to him, and things took off. And you think of David Watson and Victor John. Man, Bruce, you've had such a huge impact on me personally. Every time I go back and somebody go, I think I heard this from Jeff, or I think I heard this from such and such. I'm like, no, we heard that from Bruce. Mm. You know, I mean, Bruce, the thing I'm trying to get at is when I look at case studies, man, there's a lot of good stuff about how to get going, how to get started. But there's very little on how to recognize a movement leader. And once you recognize him, how do you get started with him? How do you get him started? There's some of that in the case studies, but there's very little on the longevity and the training and equipping of those movement leaders, you know, and I still, you know, if I go look at all, all those guys, man, they're still doing the same thing you taught them. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what's funny, man. They're, they're um, out prayer walking. They're out finding the uh, house of peace then they're doing spiritual warfare. From spiritual warfare, they're developing the House of Peace. From the House of Peace, they're planting the church. And then they're training others to multiply the church. And, um, you know, so the foundation of what those brothers and sisters are doing in South Asia, um, you know, really goes back to you. And then, honestly, Four Fields, um, the method, proceeds out of everything you taught us. So, um, so I don't know, man, I'm just sort of would love to hear a bit of your story. How did you recognize, um, some of these guys? And I wish I, I wish I could tell you with some great epiphany that I had about who to, who to work with and who to invest in. But it goes back to my Cambodia days when, uh, when I walked in the country and there was a, an IMB person, Jeff, we both know him, so I'm not going to say his name. Uh, but he told me, he said, you need to go out and, and round up the best church planners you can, hire them before the rest for someone else gets them. And I went home to Gloria and we sat and talked and prayed about it. And we, oh no, we don't want that. That's not, that doesn't sound right. So we made a commitment that God, you're going to bring the people to us. Mm-hmm. You know who they are. I don't know who they are. You do bring them to me. I got, I got invited to, to teach in the, one of the house, house churches. And I did that for three months, and the government made me stop. And I went home to the States for a furlough because our first term was almost five years. I came back after six months, and some somebody shows up in my house one day. He says, you don't remember me, do you? And I told him, I said, honestly, I don't. I see. And he told me, he said, I was at that youth meeting that you taught every Sunday in the house church. And I became a believer. And now I'm on the outskirts of the city. I need you to help me come plant a church. You know, then God brought another guy along. God brought another guy. And, and these were all guys that showed up at my door who had a vision for reaching their people, that people with the gospel. And finally, the Lord gave me about six guys to invest in. The first two guys that I worked with that God brought in my life, they were still planning. Their, their churches were still planning churches. But that, that Jeff, was the, that was a turning point in my ministry. When I got to India, I didn't, 
I didn't go looking for anyone. I just prayed, God, you just bring them to me. And he brought, he brought them to me. Uh, and it, it's really that simple. Uh, now, what did I, what did I try to recognize when, when they came to my, across my path? Well, you know, India as well as I do, everybody, everybody's got their, their ministry plan. They want to stick in your hand. But then somebody told me when I got to India even that, you know, it will never work unless you hire people. And I just made a commitment. I'm not going to hire anybody. I'm going to just God, you just bring them to me. And the one thing I, one thing I looked for was what's their vision. Do they have a vision to grow their ministry or do they have a vision to reach the nation with the gospel? And that was, that was probably the most significant thing that I looked at. Because I, fe- I, I felt like I could give them the tools and the methodologies. I could train them to how to do things. But a vision was something that it's, you just can't, it's hard to impart that to someone. That's the thing that uh, puts it, keeps everything together. You know, it's funny. I was actually just talking to um, Carter Cox, who you know. Carter, I, I was quoting something you said, and I, I quoted, hey, man, don't ever go look for somebody to train. Pray for them to come in or pray for, you know, those future leaders to come in. The, the other thing you just said uh, right now, again, was, you know, I, one way I've said it is, do you want to grow your church or do you want to reach your community? If you reach your community, you'll grow your church. But if you grow your church, you'll never reach your community. To me, those are hard issues. I think the first one goes to humility. And uh, one of the things I've seen with movement leaders is humility. But it's already in the heart because they they see the vision. They, they, you know, I I was was thinking about, you know, a brother in South Asia, you know, and he comes to Christ. And what does he immediately do? He goes and shares with Zoikos and his sphere of influence, plants a church, and then he shares with the extended family, and, you know, and he, he, he wins five people to Christ, and then after that, he gets sort of connected with a methodology. But it was already there in his heart. It really didn't yeah. have anything to do with anything we did other than Jesus already was moving in this guy's heart. Man, the other one I'll tell you that rattled my cage, and I'd love to hear you share more about it, I still quote it to this day is um, there's there's two authorities, Duita Anikara, Pramesha Kabachan, and Yeshukro, um, uh, the Pabitra Atma, you know, so the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you know, and so just thinking about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are authority. And one of the things you would challenge us to do is lay down our textbooks from seminary and say, all of you guys, I know you believe the Word of God's inspired for doctrine. I know you believe it's inspired for theology, for speaking to you, but do you believe the things Jesus did and the apostles did are authoritative or their methods could have an impact on your life? You're listening to God Network News Podcast with your host, Cal Curtis. Look up our website at godnetworknews.com. And that, man, that changed my life. Um, it took me two years of hitting, you know, hearing it. I'm slow. Man, can you just sort of share some of what's in your heart there? You know, it just always amazed me coming out of seminary that how little we ever heard people preach from the gospel or even the book of Acts. Most of our preaching was done out of Romans and the epistles. And, you know, because we sort of hermeneutically, the gospels, since their narrative didn't carry the weight that, that other portions of scripture did, at least in our thinking. At least that was my experience in seminary. But when I got to the mission field, I got out there and started beating the bushes and trying to figure out what's going on and how God is at work. And Robert Coleman, the first time I read the book, it was in Chinese. 
that changed my life because he because he, he just basically looked at the life of Jesus and he just laid it out. He said, "Here it is. This is how how he did it. Do we think we got a better way?" So I started digging deep into the gospels to try to figure this out. I just wanted to felt like we needed to emulate Jesus because uh, he is a master master disciple maker. You want to learn how to make disciples? Go to the gospels. You know, when I got overseas and I saw that spiritual warfare is real and all this stuff that I wasn't prepared to to, to deal with threw me back into the Gospels because Jesus t- taught teaches a whole lot of ways to deal with all this stuff that we're still encountering out there. Well, I say it this way. When I would go out with Albert and some of those guys, we'd go into an area, and, and if nothing happened, they would be surprised in terms of if somebody wasn't healed or demon wasn't cast out or something. If nothing happened, they would be surprised. If, if something happened, I would be surprised. And, you know, they, they look at the, they pick the Gospels up and they look at it and they read it and they think, okay, man, Jesus cast out demons. We're going to cast out demons. Jesus found people of peace. We're going to go find people of peace. They just took it to heart. And we, we tried to die. We tried to dissect it theologically in every which way. And it's just a, it's a very simple pattern. And then I never will remember that training we did in Nepal. I don't know if you remember. No, I remember I told him to read the gospel one night and tell me what Jesus' plan was. And Prebeck came in the next morning. And very, he came back in. I said, well, who, who, who got Jesus' method of making disciples? And Prebeck stood up and said, he said, here it is. Come and see. Follow me. Be, be with me. No, come and see. Follow me. Be with me. Learn from me. Then go. <laughs> you know how many years have I read the Gospels and I never saw that? And this this Nepali guy, who you know when you look at him, he was just what was he? He wasn't much of anything from our standards. Yet he God revealed that to him through reading that Gospel. It used to be WWJD. What would Jesus do? And we said we're going to take it WDJD. What did Jesus do? You got you to answer the first question before you can answer the second question. What is your vision? What is the, whatever you talk about, that the guys that you found, that they had a, a vision for the nations, and then they had a way in which they did that. What's your vision for everything that you do? What guides you? I'm not a good wordsmith. But Let's make it even easier. What verse is it? Second Peter 3.9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How does that drive, how does that, how does that work itself out into your vision and motivate what you do? Why? Why is that the core for you? The way I read that verse of scripture, you got to go back to the beginning of that passage. God is long suffering towards us. So uh, see, here's Peter writing to the Christians in the diaspora. And he's saying, God is long suffering towards us because he, he desires everyone to, no one to perish, but that all would have eternal, come to repentance. That's why God is long suffering. That's why the, Jesus hasn't come back yet. You know, I got to believe that God's desire is that every person have the opportunity to hear the gospel and to come to repentance. And we're making we're making good headway to that. But I mean, that's got to constantly drive us. I never will forget when I sat down with Albert one day and we got all his reports out from his guys. And he sat down. We figured out there had been 150,000 or so believers that came out of that movement in the first five or six years. Then we sat down and then I, it just dawned on me. I looked at Albert. And I said, Albert, how many deals are there? 15 million. And I said, okay, we got 150,000 that have come into the kingdom, which is great. Praise the Lord for that. I said, look how many we still have left. That's basically, that was 1% of the population, which is phenomenal. 
Uh, I'm not just saying it, but I mean, we. I think sometimes we get complacent and we get comfortable in our ministry. And we ought to always be driven by the fact that there are people out there who there's a reason why they're unreached because we haven't, we haven't gone and we haven't reached them. We've neglected them. Things like NPL, movements like NPL, uh, I, I resonate with because they're driven by this. They're driven by the fact that they don't want anybody to be left out. And that, that's, that's, what, that's what has to motivate us. What other motivation could there be that's better than that? When it comes to what you want to see accomplished in the lives of those that you're mentoring, Jeff, you mentioned that you know, Jeff said, wait until they come to you. He prayed, asked the Lord to come. I think the first time I ever stalked Bruce when I found out that he was only 45 minutes away from me. Um, and then I started, you know, bothering him for two hours a week, every week. And in about six months in, I was like, why are you spending time with me? And Bruce, I remember your answer was because you keep coming back and you've just been so faithful to put up with me and just invest. And then as we had that conversation, you went back to what Jesus said to his disciples about doing even greater works. What's your hope for those that you invest in? Well, my hope is that there's a lot more Dave Millers out there and a lot more Jeff Sundells out there. You know, there's been no greater joy for me than to sit back and watch what God is doing through your life and to know that I had a little part in it. And I just rejoiced that, you know, what I did did not fall on deaf ears. There were days, I'll admit to you, brother, that people kept talking about Jeff Sundell, Jeff Sundell, Jeff Sundell, that I got jealous. But God just reminded me, you know, that's, that's, that's what you did. What happened was you, he, your ministry exceeded mine. And I, and I rejoice with you, brother. I rejoice for you that what God has done through your life. And, and there's reason that's why there are people out there like Carter Cox and Dave Miller. And, you know, we have to spend our lives doing something. Might as well do it investing in people that they can have a ministry that would surpass our own. And I look, I look out at the landscape and, you know, I never knew that there were all these guys out there that I had influenced that way. Yeah, brother. And I, I'll just say that impact has been huge on me. Probably all of our most humbling day was the day my wife threw up on you. I don't know if you remember that. She yeah. got sick while we were going through uh, rapid advanced training. And uh, she'll kill me for mentioning this, but we, we still just sort of, to me, the picture of what you're just sharing from your art is humility. I was talking to George Robinson yesterday, actually, and he said a very similar thing to what you referred to as Dave. And I'd say, I think you do the same thing with me and Paul and Brian and some others, you know, and a bunch of another, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ in South Asia. His man, he just gave us time. Uh, we, we probably weren't worth the time. We, we, um, but you and Gloria both gave us time. And I, and I think that was a tremendous model for actually both of us, you and your wife, giving us time. enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to help us continue to bring exciting stories fresh from the field. Visit our website at godnetworknews.com and select the PayPal link on the right side of the page or consider becoming a Patreon partner to receive access to more valuable materials exclusive to our members.